Yeah, buddy. Hey, everybody. Kevin Goatee, gutting the sacred cow. How's it going, week four quarantiners? <laughs> Kill me. We have David, the producer, coming on episode 24 to take down what? The Goonies. You know, the film that every kid from the 80s has the need to defend. David hates it. Does Kevin Goatee hate it? You'll see. Does Kevin Israel hate it? You'll see. But before that, hey, guess what? We're now on YouTube. That's right. You can watch our smiling faces as we have our guests on camera as well and see the entire show live on YouTube. Also, guttingthesacredcow.com is now up and running. That's right. Go to the website. See us over there as well. Uh, You can find our merch when it pops up. And you can drop us a line, of course, at guttingthesacredcow at hotmail.com. But check out the website. It's kind of cool. Without further ado, David the Producer takes down the Goonies. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah. Hey everyone, here we are, episode 24? Uh, yeah, 24. 24, gutting the sacred cow, corona lockdown, week number three, but that doesn't stop a fucking runaway train like us, goddammit. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel here, how are you Kevin, what's going on with you? A runaway train. A runaway train that's penned into a house right now. (laughs) Yeah, we're locked in stock and going nowhere. But it's been, uh, you know, manageable, I guess. I don't know. It's just weird. It has been weird. Weird. But we still have shows to do, goddammit. We're doing them. I hope you guys have enjoyed the last couple. We did Karen Margolis did Titanic. And Ray Goots' episode, as you hear this, we are putting this on uh, recording on April 6th, just dropped today. Ray Goots did Jurassic Park. He really, he brought the noise. He brought the noise, but he did not convince you for sure. And me, I was, nah, nah. That's one of Kevin Israel's favorite films is Jurassic Park. But nonetheless, who cares? Because here we were today with David the Producer. David, I forgot your fucking last name. I see David the Producer. Nope, in that's the- just call me David the Producer. David that's the Producer. With a nice yeah. radio voice, too, I might add. David the Producer has come to us, and we've actually booked his uh, boss, you want to call it, or a co-worker? She's also a wife. Wife? <laughs> Yeah, she is. Wow, she, she's, she's made it that far in the world. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's why she said you guys couldn't do shit. Uh, Juliet Miranda will be doing uh, Scream in a few weeks. But David, the producer, is here to do the 1985 cult classic and box office extravaganza, The Goonies. Kevin Israel, we always start off with the first three. Give me an IMDb score, 1 to 10, please. I would say IMDb was probably 8-7. Uh, Flip them around, and you've got it right. 7.8 IMDb. Now, Rotten Tomatoes scores. And if you're a Rotten Tomatoes fan, good news. Matt Atchity will be on the show in a uh, month and a half. Two months, actually. Excuse me. So get looking looking forward to that one. Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Kevin Israel, hit me. Critics, I bet it's going to be 75. Close. 71. I'll allow it. Audience, (laughs) give me a number there. Uh, 87. 
little low, 91. Really? Wow. Yeah. This one, when I put it out there, my cousin jumped on this thread when I announced some of the films we're doing. He goes, good luck. That film is unassailable. I go, motherfucker, get ready. Guns are going to be locked (laughs) and loaded. I've got a feeling about that one. 1985, a budget of $19 million, which in today's terms, $45 million. So made on the kind of cheap, you know, worldwide made, 124 back in 1985. Today, $298 million. That's a good haul on that budget. Oh, you, yeah, the ROI is insane on this. Quotes! <laughs> Slick shoes, James Bond 007, booby trap. <laughs> oh, Try to stop there. Those are my favorites. I mean, he's, he makes this film. And the obvious ones, Baby Ruth, Sloth, Love, Chunk. And now for some lesser known, but an, uh, very much annoying quotes. I can smell their bubble gum. I can smell ice cream. No, nobody can smell ice cream, guys. I hate to break that one to you. Who has a nose that can pick that up? Scooby-Doo, Adrian Brody, Dustin Hoffman? No one can smell those things. Stop it. Quotes, Kevin Israel, hit me. What do you have? Uh, the, do the truffle shuffle. I thought you would say that one. The, uh, the, the, I think the earliest form of uh, bullying in movies in the 80s. I, just, I watched that, and I'm, we're, I'm so hypersensitive to stupid shit now. I watched that, and I was like, well, that's kind of mean. And then I was like, what the fuck am I saying? It was <laughs> funny. You- did you chastise yourself, chastise yourself by calling yourself a faggot and then whipping yourself ten times? <laughs> I self-mortified. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and I, and I laugh, but I'm with you, man. I do the same thing. I go, ooh, some things in today's day and age, oh, that, that one's going to ruffle a few feathers if, if people do that, which also equal, uh, annoy the fuck out of me. And Wait, Can it, I just say one thing about you, that? I, I hope you say more than one thing. We have an hour to kill. <laughs> That uh, that scene where uh, Chunk shows up to get into the house, and they have to do that whole and I what's a, a Rube Ginsburg Rube, device? Rube, Rube Goldberg looked it up myself. Got the wrong Jew, not Ginsburg Goldberg. Um, <laughs> they had to do that whole thing to let him in. How come he had to go through that, but Mouth just walked right in? <laughs> well, I have. I know we're jumping the gun. Since since you brought up the whole Rube Goldberg thing, uh, all he had to do was just nudge the gate open. There was no lock. That was silly. But I like I like where your head is. I like where your head is. But now we're going to get into five fun facts. Five fun facts. Whoa, five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Okay, fun fact number one, Josh Matusek, who played Sloth, was the first overall pick in the 1973 NFL draft, picked by the Raiders, and he won two Super Bowls. Fun fact number two, Jeff Cohen, who played Chunk, showed up for filming with chicken pox in fear he would lose the role if he did not show up. That's commitment right there. Isn't it? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> who took a <laughs> who took a who auditioned for the role of mouth? But it went to Corey Feldman instead. Who auditioned for the role of mouth? I'll give one guess. Ooh. I picture it was any of those any of the any of those kids from that era. What was it? Corey Haim? <laughs> Corey Haim, yes. Corey Haim's a winner. Look at you guys. Corey nice. Haim auditioned for the role of mouth, but it went to Feldman instead. This is before they didn't know each other. 
But, of course, down the road they did. But Corey Haim auditioned for the role of Mouth. Very good. I feel in like the, in that era they were just like, bring in those two Corey kids. One of them will get it. <laughs> is Rob Lowe around? God damn it. Is Emilio <laughs> Estevez around? God damn it. Number four, in the novelization, Chunk's parents have a bar mitzvah for Sloth. Now, that would have been a that would have been pure gold watching Sloth read from the Torah. Baruch Achava. This is your, actually, area of expertise, Kevin Israel. Baruch Achava. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> Fun facts number. Wait, something else I thought was weird about that. Yes. It was just the most random making of a Jew for a character. Like every now and then, like there were like three references to him being Jewish in the movie. And it was just so out of nowhere. Like it right. had nothing to do with the plot. They were just like, you know what? One of these kids should be a Jew. Can Make I just? I, I, I want the movie. They're Italian. How's that work out? <laughs> I want to take a guess because who produced this film? Was it Spielberg? Yes. Every Spielberg. film Spielberg's got usually has a theme of that in there. That's my assumption. I don't know. Yeah, I get. I just. It's funny. I didn't. I never picked up that he was Jewish until this rewatching, and I was like, "That's so strange." I mean, how many? Not a lot of fat Jews, you know, right? And they were out. In, they were out in like California, right? Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. A story of Oregon. I just do a lot of fat Jews out there. I don't know. Interesting. Sean Astin was able to keep the Goonies map as a souvenir, but his mom, Patty Duke, threw it away while cleaning the house. Fun fact number five. <laughs> Can I you like imagine? that a that a famous house mom click threw it away while cleaning the house. I like how Sean Astin's dad was the JV Riddler on the Batman TV show. Yes. <laughs> And, of course, Josh uh, Brolin, of course, with his famous dad. Oh, we're going to talk about, well, well, beyond Josh Brolin, but, yeah, exactly, uh, James Brolin, who married Barbara Streisand and still is married to Barbara Streisand. Does, he, does she get your dick hard? Answer is an emphatic no. <laughs> Unless you have a thing for women who dress up as Orthodox Jews. Maybe Kevin does, but that's not a... I do. Uh, only Hasidic, though. <laughs> okay, David, the producer, we love giving our guests the most time to really do it. So now, David, it is now your turn to gut the, the sacred, sacred cow. First of all, I'd like to thank you both for making me rewatch this piece of shit uh, that's two hours long. I didn't recall it being two hours long. I always thought it was like every other Spielberg movie early on that it's going to be about 90 minutes. I'm in, I'm out. And when I saw an hour and 54 minutes, I'm like, holy shit, this is not going to be good. And this is exactly what I call this movie ungood because it is just two hours, but 90 minutes of it are those goddamn latchkey kids screaming over each other's dialogue the whole time. You cannot even hear half their dialogue with all the yelling that goes out of this movie. I like it's how you said, I like how you said, you made us watch that film. Nay, sir, <laughs> you chose I this film. We don't choose shit except the guest. You chose this film. We are so. merely the recipients of your gifts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you may, actually, you made us rewatch that movie. <laughs> right. And I, I love, I that, I love that you made that point because 30 minutes into the movie, I was like, everybody's doing nothing but screaming. Like, I felt like... Because this was Donner, right? Donner was the director? Yes. Donner. Richard Donner. I feel like he, at some, like, into the third day of filming, he's like, wow, none of these kids can act. Just have them scream. There was no control over that set at all. He just allowed whatever they wanted to do to happen. And that was the result. Is t- yeah. two hours. And 
Plus, they, they could have used an editor. Two hours was way too long. There was more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was like an octopus scene that I guess that they cut out. Uh, did you somehow. did you did you watch it? I did. It's awful. <laughs> oh, it's it's up. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I didn't know it was available. I, I'll go out and check it out. No, I, I won't. <laughs> Speaking of editing, for just a very brief uh, tangent. You know who you know who didn't hire an editor? Cindy Lauper for the music video for this seven minutes and fifty seconds, but with a cavalcade of nineteen eighties WWF superstars. But way <laughs> too low. The, the song way Captain Lou, Iron Sheik, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Classy Freddie Blassie, Nikolai Volkov, and that's all boom. From memory. I mean, that's that's a great Saturday morning right there. Oh, wasn't it ever? Anyway, David, continue. <laughs> yeah. continue. Let's really get into why you hate this piece, this, this film. Well, I'll expand on the Cindy Lauper thing. That sure. uh, the song "Good Enough." No, it's not. It's not even <laughs> close to good enough. And neither is this shitty movie. I mean, from the beginning to end, it contains every trope you can possibly think of, and then some. I mean, I get it. The fat kid eats a lot. You know, okay, he gets made fun of. Oh, he's clumsy. Oh, I get it. The Asian kid, he's smart. Oh, and he's good at math. Oh, I get the weakling kid has asthma. But it never ends, and it just goes on and on and on. Oh, yeah, and uh, sloth is the misunderstood mongoloid. (laughs) What are they doing with these? They're all one-note characters. You cannot progress this. And you know what? Uh, I shame on Chris Columbus for writing this lazy piece of shit. I, wait a minute. Did. Wait a minute. Chris Columbus is quite guilty of other pieces of shit. See home alone part two. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. was, I rewatched that not even a couple of weeks ago. It is a flaming fetus. Why did you rewatch that? <laughs> because I bought it. I guess I got it. You know, the, you buy the, I went to home alone. Cause you had it. For, it's like seven bucks for two films. I'm like, I want home alone. Showed my daughter. And I said, fuck it. I haven't seen – I saw Home Alone not long ago with my, with my nephews and shit. I go, let, let me rewatch two. Again, part of the, uh, the, the package. It's bad. Oh, really, really bad. But I t- I, and I put it on Facebook. I rewatch it. go, by the way, one of the worst sequels of all time. People were defending that film. I go, how the fuck can you defend it? This is an, this is an insanely watered-down, recycled version of the first one, which was funny and amusing, the first one. But the second one had zero charisma whatsoever. And the homeless lady in fucking Central Park cut the bullshit. <laughs> that was a complete waste. Like, at least the first one. Here's my biggest problem. When the neighbor, the, the creepy neighbor comes over and whacks him in the head with the shovel, you can understand why. He's in the vicinity. He can hear them. Now, if you remember in the second one, he's at his uncle's house who's away and they're remodeling that house where they, they torture them again. That is on the Upper West Side. I think it was like 81st Street. This bitch is in the fucking park. She does no idea, A, where to show up, and B, when to show up when, the, when, when Pesci and Stern are, are fucking after, are fucking after McAllister again. I was screaming, going, how the fuck does she know that they're there? This is bullshit. One of my many problems. Psychic okay. homeless. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I like your, your point about the, uh, all the, the tropes. and the, Once they establish a joke in this movie... They just pounded into the ground yeah. so hard. The whole booty trap, booby trap. That's what I said. <laughs> there is not one, at least for me, and you two are comedians. Uh, you would know better than I. But for every single joke that's in that movie, nothing lands. I mean, I'll give you an example. I think One of them was, I'm going to hit you so hard when you wake up, your clothes are going to be out of style. I'm yep. like, 
Boo. <laughs> I thought of, I, you know what? I thought of that when he said that. Yeah. I was like, was this the first time that was said? Or did they actually hear that saying and then we're like, this will be great dialogue? <laughs> this Either is something way, a real not, tough a, not guy one single joke lands. I, I did not laugh once during that movie. Not this once. was this was the Big Bang Theory of eighty <laughs> when it came to jokes. <laughs> I'm surprised the movie didn't come oh, wait, with a laugh track. I, I I'll, I'll jump to one section. My notes. The only time I laughed, and it was very hard laugh, is when they're in the country club and they go in the shower. And they pan to the old guy with the eye patch. I just started laughing hysterically. I'm like, did they have patch? Right, right. I'm <laughs> what like, was they- that about? Yeah, thank you. I'm like, what the? That was so out of left field. I started busting out laughing. Go, oh wait, they already have one mongoloid. I guess they have one other disability check the box moment in this fucking film. <laughs> I'm like, why the eye patch? Like this the is a checkoff done of eye patches. Yeah, I was just gonna. Fuck you! Was in my notes. I was gonna say that. Oh, this is this is, a, <laughs> is this a one-eyed Willie? Fucking like, haha! See, this is the real alive one-eyed Willie, or some shit like that. And you're right, it doesn't. Uh, it's it's like a it's a it's a bad lottery ticket. It doesn't pay off. Anyway, continue, David. Yeah, yeah, and even the one-eyed Willie is just like a bad euphemism for a dick, and it's trying to be a joke, and it's not right. So it's like everything in this movie is wrong from start to finish with the the dialogue, the character setup, and. Just the movie as a whole, it's all over the place. It's a thriller with some plucky suburban kids trying to outsmart a family of criminals. And then you shoehorn a kid's adventure trying to get a, a, you know, a map and then going for the lost treasure. It's supposed to be maybe a little bit of a comedy. It is none of those things. It's nothing more than a shitty mashup of Indiana Jones and Stand By Me. That's, you know, which is funny because Robert Davi wore the Derby from Indiana Jones, uh, the, 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 the opera singer brother. That's like the fedora from Indiana Jones. Well, and short wow. round. Short yes. round is data. Yeah. Love it. And, and this, he's this, literally the same exact character. You can oh, clone yeah. him. Oh, yeah. And you can put him and that character in every fucking film. And I will pay $15 to see him. <laughs> you cheat, Doctor Joan. You cheat. I fuck. I can eat him up. He's the, he's one of the most he's one of the most glowing characters of this film, obviously, but of the decade, decade. Those two characters, <laughs> and also a character that as soon as he started talking, I was like, ooh, couldn't do that today. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god. Well, there's a lot of that in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of that. I, I you know it was funny. The, the, the scene that I actually thought was funny was when Mouth says that he can speak Spanish and he follows the maid around and he just starts telling her about all the drugs and the sex toys in the house. That was funny. That, let, yeah. that opened up because I, I, uh, I haven't... I, to be honest, I don't think I ever watched this movie all the way through until now. And <laughs> Glad you got through it. <laughs> and I, so I was like, oh my... I was, and I remembered nostalgically that it was you know, a very popular movie that everybody said was funny. So when that scene happened, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I'm, this is going to be enjoyable. And then I think that was the last time I laughed. In the- and that was the last fucking gas station for a 95 mile, mile, <laughs> mile drive, wasn't it? David how, you, David, how old were you when you first saw this film? I was actually 17 when I first saw it. I saw it when it was in the theaters. Yeah, see, that yeah. might be it. You might have missed the boat. I mean, Kevin and I are the same age, so, and this is right in our wheelhouse. We were, what, nine when this came out? So yeah, I, you know what? I don't remember ever liking this movie. Like, I think I, I think I was at a birthday party and they played it. I didn't see it in the theater. Sounds like a shitty birthday. What a lazy birthday. <laughs> there, you know what? There, I saw Empire Strikes Back at a birthday party. I saw one of the Indiana Jones at a birthday party. 
I Temple saw Doom. ET at a birthday party, and I saw, and this was this was at a birthday party. Your friends are fucking lame. At least my my friends took us to pizza parties, and we had arcade games and shit. Or McDonald's. They, oh, there was all that, but oh. then it always ended with a movie for some or, reason, or a pool party, or like movies. I'm like, oh my god. See, I, I know see- all my Jewish friends are allowed to go to the movie theater. What's up, man? <laughs> Sleepaway camp, sure. Movie theaters, why not? <laughs> yeah, see, I, I remember liking this as a kid, liking it, but I'm not. And I was like, all right, I had it as an adult. I haven't watched it recently, no. And I was like, all right, let's give it again. But let's let's say that to the end. David, what else do you have against this film? Let's hear that. Uh, the one thing that I can't believe about this film is that they got the three powerhouses. You have, you know, almost a trifecta. You got Spielberg, you got uh, Chris Columbus, you got Richard Donner behind the camera. How could this possibly go wrong? I'll tell you, <laughs> they stuck third-rate, shitty, mediocre actors that are, you know, from, you know, children of other famous people, like we talked about earlier, and not a single gem in the gene pool at all. I mean, there is not one performance in it. You go, oh, that was pretty decent. Oh, that was pretty good. And let's face it, everything Corey Feldman touches turns to stupid immediately. <laughs> The Lost Boys, uh, The Burbs he was in, of course, you, Stand you, By Me. You know what I watched? Because, again, I, with quarantine and Amazon. Amazon Prime is amazing. It's sniffing out 80s and 90s films that Kevin has not seen that maybe it's time to see. You know what I mm-hmm. tried sitting through the other day, and I shut it off about ha- halfway through? Dream a Little Dream. What an egregious Ooh. piece of shit that was. Oh, my. I never saw it. I remember it was in the theater, and I went to go see Luke Who's Talking. I saw they go, oh, this, and I saw the poster. Oh, oh. I go, all right, I'll go see this instead. Uh, and we saw, we, 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 instead of seeing Dream but I'd always like stuck. I said, ah, oh, maybe I should watch it. 45 minutes in, and again, I was doing shit in the background. If I was really focusing, it would probably be more about 20 or 30. It fucking sucked. <laughs> hey, and I love coming-of-age movies. I think a lot of them are really good. I mean, a lot of the stuff that uh, was done in the 80s, all oh, the yeah. – um, Oh, God, I'm trying to – Pretty Pink Guy, uh, uh, John Hughes. Excellent. You know, excellent, you know, coming-of-age movies. But John and then you Hughes, stick the shit. he made movies that were about the cast and the characters. And yes. It really, it really delved into those characters. Mm-hmm. This felt more like a Saturday morning cartoon. That they, Like, all the jokes, all the pranks, all the gags felt like something you would see on, a, like, a Warner Brothers cartoon. And they were like, all right, let's make this into a live action. And none per- of it landed correctly. Perfect example is when the, uh, they hand uh, Chunk the statue. And, of course, he drops it because he's clumsy. And what was the thing that fell off? The dick, right? It was a dick joke. You know, oh, like, oh, when you're 10 years old, you're making dick jokes. Let's not take that high road. <laughs> you know what? They, I don't think they – I don't mind a good dick joke. But they would never even say that it was his dick that fell off. No. They held it, and they were like, this was my mom's favorite part. And then they were like trying to put it back on. If you had a bunch of kids who were between the ages, I assume those kids were between like 10 and 15, I guess, if you Mm -hmm. went through the whole gamut, somebody would have been like, you knocked his dick off. Somebody would have said something, but the whole time nobody would address what, and I don't know if that was a ratings issue or what. Oh, no, 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 no. They said shit plenty. This was PG. So, and I believe, well, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was the first PG-13 film. I think that was 84. I'm pretty damn sure of that. So, Mm -hmm. and actually, when we get to the Amazon reviews, a lot of people have problems with calling this a kid's film because they think this is too much cursing. And I call these people prudes. But (laughs) 
I digress. <laughs> yeah, your oh it, my! It, it was a different time back then. Yeah, I mean they were not as uh, you know liberal as they are today, as with language at least. Gross. <laughs> Continue, sir. What else do you have on your bullet points of hits? Oh, you know, I think it's time to move on to plot holes. Okay. Lots and lots and lots of plot holes. But two that stand out for me the most are that one, the wishing well scene, right? <laughs> they got the boyfriend at the top there. He's at the top of the wishing well. He got his uh, girlfriend or his once wannabe girlfriend down in the actual uh, tunnels. But when they look down, uh, you think to yourself, okay, well, someone had to dig that well. And someone had to dig that well that would have ultimately found the tunnels. How come no one knows about these freaking tunnels? <laughs> that makes no sense to me at all. It's, it's, it's a great point that you make. And the extent of that whole tunnel network and those caverns under the town, the town would have collapsed. There <laughs> right. was the, the, and, and, and even better than the tunnels, all the pipes ran through that. All the piping work that w- that w- they were pulling in yeah. and out of the of the country club and the toilets and everything, right? That would have when they were putting those pipes down, they would have discovered. There were a million times that they would have discovered this one-eyed Willie must have been the greatest architect in the world <laughs> to build these catacombs that kept aloft this town while remaining completely unfound. And, and yeah. why would uh, and the you know, they must have done plumbers in Oregon is my guess to that one. But uh, why would they spend all of these, which you know it was decades, creating these catacombs of all of these tunnels when all they needed to do was just you know get that ship outside and blow up that little thing, which they already did with the booby trap, right? Back, so it's like I was going to say back with the the the, the wishing well. You, those are all excellent points, especially the, uh, the, the, not the landscape, but the layout of plumbing. My biggest problem with that scene is this. Three high school dudes hanging outside of a well with no <laughs> beers, with no beers. They're hanging out outside of a right. fucking well. But was it, did this ha- does this happen? Like, dude, just hang outside of wells before they give each other rusty trombones while singing show tunes at the same time? That doesn't happen. <laughs> Fuck out no, of here! And then, no, and then, and, close. and then, mouth crying about his wishes. Is that an attempt of pathos in his Spielberg film? Oh, <laughs> so well, also, cute. and those those kid those the kids who were supposed to be the bullies. First of all, they were the most stereotypical yes. bullies in the world. Yeah. One kid's wearing the varsity jacket. The other kid was dressed very like preppy. They were clearly made out to be the bullies. But that kid in the varsity jacket who was driving the Mustang, he was a murderer. Yeah. That scene where Josh oh, Brolin the, is oh, on the, the tricycle, the bike? yeah, yeah, that was that wasn't a funny prank. That was going to be murder. He had those attempted murder, but attempted at the same, at the the same time, I'm screaming at the TV when they're holding onto his hand. They let him go. Josh Brolin has at least two Mississippi to fucking stop that bike or take a hard right turn before <laughs> he goes over that cliff. I go, nope, doesn't happen in real life. Plot hole, huge plot hole, and. You know, talking about the cave and the ship, uh, the other second big one is that, okay, so the mom, what is it, Mom Fratelli, she trips off that big booby trap, right? And the, But the booby trap has two different elements to it. One, it caves in where they're trying to get out to exit, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, okay, uh, fine. 
Then the second one is to create a massive hole so the ship could get out. So it's like, well, you got a hole to get out of. Who cares? It made no sense at all. How about when they had those rocks hanging from the top? Each cast member could have smoked a fucking cigarette by the time it took from one rock to fall to the next. Like, they're sitting there going, ah, 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 ah. And like they could have banged out an entire marble or red by the time it took from the one to fall to the next. They could have go, oh, shit, they're going to fall, zip right toward the exit. Like this. You mean the most clearly styrofoam rocks in the history yeah. of all movies? yeah. Chester Cobblepot died of what exactly? <laughs> <laughs> Right and that whole head. last sequence, it's not a booby trap, it's a booby escape. So let me be clear. <laughs> I, I think that besides that, I think the other thing, and it's a, another, I don't wouldn't call it all, I think it's just bad writing more than it is a plot hole. But when the Fratelli brother was in prison and he pretended to hang himself, and all of a sudden it went from him hitting the guard to him walking outside mysteriously somehow getting through the rest of that police station with the clothes that uh, he had on before his own clothes. How in the hell did he even get out of there? It made no sense at all. Yeah. With no guns or no nothing. At least yeah. Schwarzenegger, when Schwarzenegger Strolled shot, out. Yeah, he shot, Schwarzenegger and the Terminator shot his way in and uh, drove a truck through the, the front and then shot his way out. This motherfucker is, you know, whistling or singing opera. <laughs> and then when they escape, here's another problem. When they throw the fire around there, the fire is like what? A, a two-foot-high fire and in a rectangular form? You could form? have slowly <laughs> walked through that Thank fire. you. For, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This isn't when, like, the, the truck in Terminator 2. Wow, two shout-outs for Terminator Terminator 2, the truck blows up and the T-1000 walks out of that flame. You're like, holy shit, man, that dude's badass. It's like, oh, look, let me just step one foot over the other, maybe a little farther than my natural gait of walk. I was like, yep. Yeah, and I think my final plot uh, hole in this movie is that Sloth, he has no purpose in the movie. Zero. He doesn't progress anything forward. He's... Just he just becomes a pal of Chunk. There is no reason for him to be in that His movie. His ears at all. moved. That's yeah. why they needed how, him. How and how and how wired and fake did that look? Because I noticed it the first time, and I was watching for it every time he saw right. a close up of him. It's like a they both and you and both in unison go eh, 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 like at the same time. I go uh. Stan Winston should have been hired for this makeup job, kids. And that was the weirdest. That was the weirdest deformity to pick because how did like what what occurrence that happens to you physically gives you the ability to control your ears. He actually had like extra ability, not like, not less. They should write a film with him and I Dream of Jeannie where she used to wiggle her ears and the wish would make it happen when she wiggled her ears. He looked like a cross between the guy from Hills Have Eyes and uh, what's the other movie? Um, oh God, it's uh, right, it's in my tongue. Um, oh, Toxic Avenger, Toxic Avenger. Yes, yes, good call. Yeah. It was like a uh, you know combination of those, but he had no place in that movie. He's and they stunned. did nothing to explain why he was like that. Not at all. Just like that she, she had was two, stuck. <laughs> she had two normal kids, and then this thing. And they at no point were like, I, they make the one joke towards the end where she's singing him uh, uh, Rockabye Baby, and he freaks out about dropping. And I was and I was watching that going, are you trying to tell me all of that happened to him because he was dropped once? Yeah. Because that was a great lesson to parents watching, not to drop your kids. <laughs> I, I dropped my daughter and nothing happened. <laughs> They're going to end up being an ear-wiggling mutant. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst X-Men fucking spinoff you can ever hope for. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> By the way, but, uh, Sloth yeah. looks like a thalidomide baby who grew up to become a sandwich maker at a Wawa in Philadelphia. <laughs> that was probably the first thalidomide reference in 20 years. Well done, Kevin. <laughs> Listen, these are esoteric deep cuts I have here, baby. Yeah, deep pull. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> And, yeah, I, any other uh, points we're going to hammer home before we get in our next segment? Take your time, man. We've got plenty of, uh, plenty of room. You know what? I, I just have one last point to this. And, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that I didn't – that I'm just not nuts. And I just think that this movie really just sucks at every level. And I went out to the Reddit, and, man, I went through a wormhole last night. Oh, I was on there for, like, three hours going, oof. this movie sucks. This movie it should never exist. Well, I – uh-oh. Thought about this is they're trying to make a Goonies too for the last ten years. No one will greenlight this piece of shit. Nobody. Well, well they went well, here's the thing. I read this too. Richard Donner that he wants to be part of it. He's eighty five. Wouldn't you think they want to move on that a little faster? Kind of like Harrison Ford. Let's delay Indiana Jones again. Guys, just because Indiana Jones drank from the fucking the grail and last crusade doesn't mean Harrison Ford is afforded that same <laughs> privilege. All right. He's Clearly going he to die. Not. He's yeah, clear. He's chose. Well, he chose, but whatever. All right. Anything else? David? You, know, you know what? Go Is ahead, there David. any chance? Do any of you think that if they made a sequel to this, that in the furthest reaches of your imagination, that it would be actually better than this movie? It can't get any worse. You know, what? you say that, you say that, but guess what? <laughs> Transformers 2 was worse than Transformers 3, which was worse than Transformers 4, which was worse than Transformers 5. So it can get worse. <laughs> and I love Transformers 1. It's just the sequels suck. I th- but I tell you what, it's going to make a kajillion dollars when it does come out because every fucking asshole oh, yeah. like our age is going, let's go take the kids to go see this. Which is what happened when we grew up. It's going to make a no ton doubt. of bank, a ton of bank. One character that was in the movie said he will not have anything to do with the second one if they ever do make it, and that's the kid who Jeff played Chunk. Yeah, he's a lawyer. Yep. He's in our game right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he, not he a, wants he's no a, part he, of it. He's not a fat slob anymore. It kind of you know aces him out of casting too. He's a normal looking dude. So <laughs> that's true. I mean, and, and you can. I mean, listen. He's. He, I guess he is part of the, the. I guess he would be because he adopted Sloth. Da 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 da. That I mean. Well. I'm sure if they go, hey, you know what? Here's fifty. Here's ten million. Hell, here's five million. Like, all right, fine. Fuck law for you know two months while I shoot this. Yeah, he's not. He's not making that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And all you know right. who's pushing this movie the most? That would be Corey Feldman because oh, he's well, got clearly. nothing else to do <laughs> besides tell, tell stories about him being raped. Or, yeah. or or Carrie Green or Martha Plimpton. <laughs> yeah. True. Or or Ki Hu Kwan, who played the aforementioned Data. I haven't seen him in shit, and I wish no. I did because he's a he's a joy and delight. Next up, five star critic reviews. Five star reviews. Five star reviews by critics. Here we go. So. The action at the center of Chris Columbus's script occasionally falters, disagree, and generally feels manufactured, but the kids go about their chores as if convinced that all their make-believe is true. With a story by Steven Spielberg, it's like being able to share the fun of Indiana Jones with your kids without all the monkey brains and eyeball soup. 
<laughs> Does uh, someone want to insert a flaming heart joke right about now or no? Yeah. How about uh, just, uh, is it a real critic or a blogger critic? <laughs> no, they, they, well, these are legit critics, but yeah. <laughs> We'll get, no, the blogger critics are in the Amazon five-star reviews, which will be in two sections. Last oh, one, Lord. which one I, and I kind of like this one. It says, true to the camaraderie of boys who have been left alone to roam on their bikes. I agree with that. Those days are long gone, as, as sad yeah. as that is. All right. Now, critics one-star reviews. Critics one-star reviews. Critics one-star reviews. <laughs> For some, The Goonies is a classic, but for others, the film is simply a mediocre kid's flick. It is a charmless exercise. Director Richard Donner turns the kids into shrieking ferrets, and his jumpy cutting seems to lag behind the action deliberately in a curious attempt to make the film seem more chaotic and cluttered. All parceled up in one of these gooey, money-doesn't-buy-happiness endings, so beloved by multi-millionaire producers. Jack's no. Char- oh, Sorry, go ahead, Kevin. No, I was just going to say that uh, I would love to watch Escape from L.A. with that guy. <laughs> That's the guy I want to watch with. Snake Plissken? <laughs> yeah. First yeah. one, great. Second one, not so much. No. no. Last one. Jack's charm, wit, or warmth yet appears to remain a hit with the children. Who's Jack? Oh, Lax. I'm sorry, Lax. That's a dot. Lax. I'm like, who the fuck is Jack? Lax charm, wit, or warmth yet appears to remain a hit with children because of its frenetic pace, slapstick gags, goofy characters, and slightly naughty language. Naughty. (laughs) Naughty. So naughty that data spells out shit. S-H-I-T. Do you know why he spells out shit? Because of his mother. Exactly. He promised his mother he would not swear on set. I swear, uh, I not curse word. Okay. <laughs> this is how all people from Vietnam talk. <laughs> he's, he's Chinese, you racist shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's Vietnamese. Oh, really? I thought yeah. it was Chinese. Oh, no. You just got to be loud and have one tone. You got it. Nailed it. <laughs> Amazon five-star reviews. These are people writing in their own two cents. Five-star reviews. Amazon five-star reviews. I am a child of the 80s, and this is by far my all-time favorite film. I can't explain it, but no other movie gives me the kind of feelings that this film does. No matter how old you are, watching The Goonies brings you back to that childhood moment where anything was possible. To me, this is more than a movie, and almost as an escape from reality to adult responsibility. And I cherish for those close to the hour's for the close to the hours that this gives me. I also have my kids loving the movie, so it will continue for another generation. Yay. Wow. That guy probably wears jorts. (laughs) (laughs) Written by Jeff Cohen, who played Sean. (laughs) I believe that this film should be required viewing for everyone and could easily solve most of the major issues plaguing our society. We are all goonies. We just need to let that side out more often. It could cure coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Forget By about all... global warming, people. You got to go see this movie. <laughs> Can you imagine Trump like, here we go. We've got mouth here. He's going to cure us for the CDC. And he's going to have the, He's got the virus in his mouth. It's going to be what's going to be fantastic. Mouth is now our ambassador to Mexico and Spain. <laughs> if you grew up in the 80s and didn't see the Goonies, I suspect there are holes in your childhood. That I agree with. Instantly accessible to parent and child alike. 
Spielberg manages to take a silly story about a treasure hunt and turn it into an exciting, scary, romantic comedy about a group of outcasts coming together for a common cause. I love when the cliffhanger mentions MTV. (laughs) For those of you too young to remember, the M means music before it became moronic reality shows. I love the ad-libbing guy. guy. Uh, He was writing this on his Bible. The, yeah, yeah. It, this guy's uh he's got way too much invested in this movie. Get get ready for two more uh slobber knockers. Corey <laughs> Feldman as well. He's Corey Feldman and he's extremely annoying in the DVD commentary. Parentheses. So much that his constant interrupting sends Sean Aston to leave and not come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i gotta get a hold of that dvd com yeah. I, I had no idea this was a thing that and, it actually exists and my favorite one this was oh. one of my most favorite movies growing up i still remember how upset i was when i discovered that my sister had taped over the copy of the movie i had recorded when it was on tv if that's not a shout out to all of us old guys i don't know what is right uh, and while growing up, we didn't have the kind of money to go out and buy a copy of it on VHS. But now I'm all grown up and I can buy it for myself on Blu-ray, no less. <laughs> I love, I love the, 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 steps in, the, the steps in life that this guy has taken. I couldn't afford, but my parents couldn't afford a VHS tape. But now I'm making my own money and I can afford a Blu-ray DVD, which also costs the same amount as a, as a VHS tape did back in 1986. All right. Now, <laughs> it's time for Kevin and my favorite times, and that is the Amazon one-star reviews. The open mic section. Here we go. That's to the best, sir. Amazon one-star reviews. Found out that the Goonies was silly, loud, childish, and didn't even finish watching it. Had to turn it off. It was so annoying. Yes, I have a great sense of humor, said by no one who has a sense of humor, by the way. But this one was not for me. Sorry. Not the best kid film I've seen by far. Not certainly one of my cult classics. Never been a big fan of Spielberg anyway. Some funny moments, like when Feldman speaks Spanish to the Latina and scares her. But after the scenes at the house, it just gets stupider and stupider. Sorry I watched. I had somehow never watched this movie growing up, so my wife made me watch it. I have no idea why this is such a classic. It was, it was horrible had a weak story, and the acting was largely mediocre. Maybe if I watched it as a younger teenager, and when it first came out, I would have developed some sort of nostalgic attachment. But if you've never seen it and don't connect with its memory in days of old, I recommend just saving yourself a couple of hours and do something with the time. This one is all in caps, so this is why I'm going to yell. I was so disappointed when I watched this movie. Every other word was shit bleeped out, which was just unnecessary. In the beginning, there was a part that was pretty filthy, but once you got past that, it was not too bad. Wow, that was... Please tell me you were yelling that one because it was all in caps. (laughs) Oh, my... Yeah, no, that's what I said. These are all in caps. That review took an unexpected turn. What a worthless movie. It'll take some serious willpower to not throw it right in the trash when my husband's not looking. <laughs> Along with his porn. Yeah. <laughs> and his dignity. <laughs> Completely inappropriate for today's elementary school kids. Oh, really? The same kids who are watching porn on their phones and playing Call of Duty? Really? Fucking people are going to get all high and mighty about a PG-rated film in today's day and age? Fuck you. 
In the first 20 minutes, there is constant meanness between adults and kids, kids and adults, kids and adults, etc. I say the first 20 minutes because that's as long as my family and I watch. My eight-year-old son is worried he'd have nightmares afterwards. And I think oh. that this guy's dad is where he's going to have nightmares that his eight-year-old son is going to grow up to be a raging pussy. How about that? <laughs> the kid should be worried he's going to be dropped on his head and become one of those flaminabite <laughs> <laughs> babies. <laughs> last, last one. This was a low-budget, poorly-made film. Supposed to be for kids, but movie starts out with a male statue with too much focus on the statue's penis. Gratuity. No reason for this kind of stuff to be in a kid's movie. Also, the pilot, pirate named One-Eyed Willie. Wow. As if we didn't know what that joke was about. They could have left out the penis stuff in references to drugs. Of course, that's Hollywood for you. Hollywood? They obviously haven't seen uh, you know, Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> wait till they, wait till they see Monster Squad again when they call him faggot in the first thirty five seconds and shoot him, and shoot the monsters full of, of piss in a squirt. Wolfman's gun. got nards. Nards, kick him in the nards. <laughs> Kevin Israel, I would love to hear your notes. Um, so I, I did cover some of them while while David was talking. He uh, he hit a lot of my points. Um, like I said, I didn't. I I I never. This movie never stuck out to me as a kid. It was never one of the. It was never up there with Star Wars and. Indiana Jones and you know all the 80s class Superman all the 80s classics that really uh, that really stuck out and I would never sure why I people would talk about it and it would come up mentions of the truffle shuffle and I never even fully understood what that was because I don't think I ever saw the movie fully through mm-hmm. and now I know why I watched the whole thing and it's a terrible movie it's just bad wow. it's not it's not funny it's not funny even in a nostalgic way for me uh, there were there were maybe a couple of times where I, I you know I breathed have, it was like the heavy breathe laugh, but was, <laughs> so you're doing heavy breathing while watching this film, you fucking <laughs> pedophile, <laughs> bad boy. Um, there was there there were some things that stuck out to me. Number one, there was a reference the reference to Superman and yeah. to Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I you know just just completely cross promoting, which I, I respect and appreciate. Um, one of my biggest problems came at the end of the movie. So they didn't get the treasure because they got off the boat and the Fratellis got to keep the treasure. But then, and then the booby trap went off, so the ship was lost. And they were like, oh, we don't have the treasure. But luckily, there's a couple of very fake jewel-looking rocks in the kid's marble bag, which back then, that had to be, if those were real jewels, that had to be, a few million dollars worth of jewels. Right. But then the ship floats out of the cave. Just go get the ship. Yeah. Hey. Float them away. It's not like we don't have boats. We have better ships now. Hey. Go get the fucking ship. Hey, go the Coast Guard. Hey, hey, go hey. Like, be like, ah, too bad. I guess he's free now. One yeah. Eye Willie back, in, back yeah. on the high seas. Yeah. The One Eye Willie is going to outsmart the Coast Guard who have high speed cutters, right? I mean, those, by that, that, was Richard, that was Richard Donner on that ATV. He was one of the cops on the, on the ATV. Oh, that's right. That's he right. Could, he could have radioed, uh, hey, guys, let's go get that ship. By the way, I did read this as well in my research. If you, the first person to pull any kind of treasure off a ship under maritime law, that's yeah. your, that's yeah. your oh, hall. Oh, it's theirs. So it's, oh, it's, Mikey, com- it's Mikey's hall because he had the jewels. So. Yep, it's completely his. That, yeah. that, that, and I actually remembered that scene from younger. I don't know if it was from when it originally came out, but it bothered me because I was like, why don't they just go get the ship? Right. Like it's right there. Right. They just right. all sat and watched it like <laughs> dumb, stuck idiots. 
sitting there going, oh, yeah, there's the ship full of billions of dollars of jewels and doubloons. But you know what? It's his. They got us. God damn it. They got us again. (laughs) Um, They were were lucky enough to be able to tie that whole thing in a nice little bow at the end, right? uh, Very sweet of them. (laughs) I love Spielberg, but this was a, this is a a pure saccharine ending. I'm like, Oh, you can't define it. Go ahead. Sorry, Kevin. That's, that's one of my my points I have. The, um, I thought it was weird. I don't know why this stuck out to me. When they find the jeep, the jeep, he calls it an ORV. He goes instead of because SUV wasn't a thing at that point. He goes, "Oh my god, it's an ORV." Right. I was like, "Was that?" I don't remember anybody ever saying that in the eighties about jeeps. So I don't know. That just stuck out to me. Um, the naked guy in the with the with the with the with the eye patch recovered. Um, the uh, oh. Italians, always bad. <laughs> if you have an Italian family in a movie, they're just bad people. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Italian is singing opera. Why? <laughs> no idea. That's just his thing. That did, he they, did, they cut, they, did they cut the scene where they're slurping spaghetti? <laughs> Drink, drinking wine and, and sexually harassing women on the, on the Spanish steps in Rome? I mean, what else are we missing here? And, uh, the only reason that he sang opera, by the way, I found out, was because that he could. Yeah, and Robert Davies, it was like singer. Yeah. a trained opera singer, and they said, "Well, let's put that into the movie because that'll make sense." Yeah. It's like, did you ever see the original Ocean's Eleven? It's a flaming piece of shit. What it is really is everyone showcasing their singing abilities for two and a half hours. It's awful. One of the very few reboots to actually be better than the original. But I digress. Yeah. Um. And the, uh, so Josh Brolin in this movie, just his character just didn't quite fit. There's all these kids, they call themselves Goonies because they're all misfits. Josh Brolin is this incredibly handsome, jacked 16-year-old, I guess, because he failed his, his, and he's hanging out with his brother and his stupid friends, and he's a Goonie? Like, what is he... He had to watch him. They said the mom said you had to watch your brother. That was the but, whole point. But clearly, he hung out with these kids because yeah. they referred to him as a goonie. He was in with them. If if you had a little, if you had a big brother, or if, and he looked like that in the eighties, he would have been punching you in the face, yeah, <laughs> throwing you out the window, and banging chicks. He would have been <laughs> hanging out with us and riding a tricycle. That like the whole thing. His whole character just didn't make sense in what he looked like and what they made like. They started out working out, and again, because I didn't remember the plot of the movie, I was like, oh, I guess he's going to be like the asshole big brother who's going to like come right. around at the end. No, he was just, he was, turned out to be a really nice guy pretty much the whole time. Yeah, and and then, the whole Springs they thing. Up, they tie him up with that. That's what I was just going to bring up. That, Awful. That, that I don't think ever actually worked for anybody. <laughs> um, he just completely gets over that. Like, he doesn't right. even like punch his brother when he gets, like, it just that that character, who that character should have been, especially considering when this movie was made and those types of characters at that time period. He was just this nice big brother who was like all supportive of his little brother. It was I just thought it was such a waste, and it's just funny that Josh Brolin has gone on to have such a prolific career. And, uh, and Corey Hel- for Corey Feldman has not. <laughs> <laughs> He's you still mean- looking for his white glove. You mean License to Drive didn't exactly set the world on fire, although Heather Graham did. Holy shit. Top wow. 10, top not, 10 not smoke show. In the back, but Josh Brolin and I had a Twitter exchange a number of years ago. Oh, did you get his number? When, he was, uh, when they, they showed him training for cable, 
uh, I tweeted at him. I said, Josh Brolin, more like Josh Swollen. <laughs> and what did he say? Waka, he waka, waka. waka. He's, like, he's like, I might change my name to that. <laughs> he said, and then cease, it got picked, it got picked up. Like that, that tweet exchange got picked up by like E and like all these things. And I was like, I'm going to make it. And I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. I had I had taken not one, not two, but two and a half pages of notes. So oh my bear, God. bear with me. Robert Davi, the fertility brother, looks like he fell asleep on a bed of nails, face down. <laughs> I you know think- what, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank I was you. thinking about it the whole time. He could only be a bad guy in movies. Oh, yeah. He was. He was, he was a bad guy in uh, License to Kill, the 1989 Timothy Dalton, James Bond yep. film, yep. Right. which was not good. <laughs> if talk about cross-promotion, I would love to hear Ma Fratelli talk to Joe Pantoliano, her other, the other brother, about Ralphie Cake's gay endeavors in The Sopranos. That's a conversation I want to hear. <laughs> Not enough data in this film, and you can say that about every single film in the 80s. I'm a sucker for a Vietnamese kid who mispronounces 45% of his words. What can I tell you? And I say we bring back the fat shaming in the form of the truffle shuffle. You want to get kids to stop eating brownies and have tits at nine years old? Make them jump up and down in front of a school assembly, the true gladiator arena. <laughs> A fun fact about yours, Julie, I shall no longer think about baseball when I'm trying to hold out while having sex. I shall now think of Martha Plimpton, but in only three-second bursts because I don't want to go soft while engaging in randiness. Martha Plimpton is just... Ooh, she looks like Don Knotts in a wig. <laughs> Mr. Furley? <laughs> yeah. She's not a try. Yeah. Uh, no. M- Michael Jackson did not use Chunk's bathroom. He went to Corey Feldman's buddy's house, Corey Haim, and then used his mouth as a toilet. <laughs> wow. Oof. Oof. That's a good one. I know it. It uh, is. Another problem with this film Mouth Peak speaks perfect Spanish in the beginning and the middle of the films, but in the very end, he somehow doesn't know what don't sign means in Spanish. What the fuck? Problem. Oh, wait. And that's another good point you just made. Thank you. He translates Spanish perfectly, and he reads that the, the map, and the map is written in a poem, and when it translates to English, it rhymed. That drove me bananas. Didn't, didn't, pick, didn't pick that up, but I like I liked the cut of your jib. The Walsh family is moving tomorrow, but not one fucking box in sight? <laughs> as someone who just moved Kevin Israel, I think that hits home for you. You know what? And uh, the, another great point you made Thank that you. I didn't write down. So the cops show up. They're rescuing the, the cops show up to rescue them from getting off of the boat and all that shit. And everything's going on. The reporters are there and they're there. And suddenly the guy from the bank shows up and is like, you got to sign this now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like they had GPS on him. <laughs> she hi- the mom hires Rosita to help her for one day. One day of help. Oh, that's cute. And I, are they harboring illegal immigrants in this country, too? I see the Walsh family. Hmm? And they probably had a muster stop down at the 7-Eleven, and she decided to give somebody <laughs> some work for the day. Martha Plimpton is a cock blocker in this film. Everywhere she, Every time someone's trying to get in her pants, the, 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 the ginger's pants, Josh Bronth should have Thanos snapped her ass right out of there. Boom! Why would anyone try and catch that falling corpse from the freezer? I let that shit fall right to the ground. I am not touching a dead body. Sorry. Andy the Ginger, well on her way to a bulimic or anorexic lifestyle, followed by a vicious coke habit. And I forecast, 
after two rehab stints, she shows up to her 10-year high school reunion with her second husband, an insurance salesman. (laughs) By the way, very tough to take Josh Brolin seriously as he traipses around in John Stockton nuthugger shorts over sweatpants. Wardrobe problem. That's a fan, that's a fantastic point that I wish I had made because oh, I think that was actually a style in the eighties. It was, and I'm glad yeah. we're past that. Oh yeah, <laughs> bring it back. This yeah, is it this, back. <laughs> this is such eighties fuckery. This film. This is the embodiment <laughs> of eighties fuckery. But okay, brand about, and here's another major problem. In the very end, where Moffatelli throws the ginger off the ship, Brand jumps in after. But what does he do? He runs past Moffatelli, who's standing on the plank. He yes. could have taken half a second and pushed that fat cunt right in the water and then jumped in to save fire crotch. But no, he lets her. There's no bad guy, like, fighting bad guys off. Where I had a huge problem with that. And they didn't even have a gun at that point, I don't think. No, they're they all just. The gun. They're threatening people with stern lang- body language and verbal language. <laughs> the whole, that whole end fight scene was so ridiculous and so there were more of the the kids outnumbered the bad guys the bad guys were all clearly inept cartoon characters sure and i i just didn't understand and if they wanted to if the bad guys were so bad if these were such terrible people why did they just walk them off the plank why didn't they just kill them walk walk off the plank and what jump in the water that's clearly there's no sharks in the walking off the plank was a terrible thing because one you were tied up and you were going to drown or two, there were sharks in the water and you were going to get eaten. That's right. why people walked the plank. It wasn't it's your typical uh, 007 ending, right? <laughs> you know, I'm going to step away over here and not look to see where you're going. <laughs> Maybe have sharks with laser beams on their head right, right now. Yeah. Uh, dad is da- Data's dad had to have a gadget camera. Ugh, doubling down on the cheese stereotypes, are we? Another major problem I had Chunk said Sloth can live with him without him asking his fucking parents. Like, Mom, can this mongoloid live with us? No, son. It looks like he pisses in the bathtub and then there's snow angels in them. No. <laughs> Fuck out of it. And the peace de resistance where I groaned and threw the remote on the, on the tray – all the platitudes in the end. You can't hug a picture. You're my greatest creation. We're the richest family without money. Fucking barf. Give me a... <laughs> and, and like the one reviewer wrote, by made by multi-millionaire producers, suck my dick. <laughs> Kevin Israel, give me a number on the old one to ten. Four. I agree, four. And, I, and it's a four mostly for nostalgia purposes. Exactly. People, when I said, again, people were like, you're doing the Goonies. I love that film. You, this is not a good film. It was at best, I liked it as a kid, as a teenager. All right, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. As an adult, I'm like, nope. It's, am I going to bury it? No. Am I going to glamorize it and, and defend it? Absolutely not. Kevin, David, the producer, what would you give the, uh, the Goonies on the old one to ten? Hard three, just like the statue. <laughs> the statue of David. That's fucking hilarious. David, the producer, where can we find you? Shout out social media, other things that we're going to do. Uh, thanks, guys. Hey, by the way, this is a huge blast. I'm glad that uh, I was able to do this, and uh, you guys asked me to, and I uh, couldn't have picked a better or worse movie. So thanks for hanging in and watching two hours worth of bat shit. Uh, you can find me at uh, actually on Twitter at Behind the Rant, but uh, I produce the, the Unwritable Rant podcast. And you can find that at theunwritablerant.com. 
Sweet. Kevin Israel, where can we find you besides a, a basement with, uh, do you know, dried out beans and rice? <laughs> uh, you can find my websites, kevinisrael.com. Don't bother looking at my calendar because everything is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was just going to say, no dates for either of us. Huh? Uh, no dates for, but um, I am going to be doing, uh, I am involved in a virtual Seder for Passover coming up through Jew Belong website, which is not a joke. No. <laughs> I got to uh, see this. Could you send me the link? Yeah. Send me the link. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be all over social media when it comes out. Um, and yeah, you can get my album, The Struggle is Real, on iTunes and everywhere else you get noise stuff. KevinGoatee.com for what? I don't fucking know. Read my blogs or bullshit. Gutting the Sacred Cow, more importantly, please follow us, like us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Now on YouTube. This is our maiden voyage on YouTube. People are listening to podcasts because they're not driving to work anymore. But what are they doing? They're watching videos. And watch us, goddammit. Gutting the Sacred Cow, now on YouTube. And if you're looking to sponsor with us, please do. Gutting the Sacred Cow at Hotmail.com. Hit us up. And let's talk and see how we can make your business or service a profitable one. As long as it involves a six-foot radius from other people. Wait, Kevin, Kev, go- we left out one point. What did we forget? We forgot whether or not he got the sacred Oh, cow. Jesus H. Christ. Oh, wow. Do you think he could? Listen, I'm going to go first. I think David did gut the sacred he cow. He fully gutted it. He I gutted did. it and then shit on it and threw it out the window. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you picked this two, I said, I don't, I, I don't remember loving it. This might be an easier, this might be an uncontested layup. And boy, oh boy, you tomahawk jam that shit NBA jam style right down to the hoop. I completely yep. agree. It's so beloved, though. You know, you it think is. the people, the audience numbers, you said them in the beginning. Audiences love this movie. Critics. I think, it's, eh. I think the, movie, the movie was so beloved at the time because it was just caught up in the momentum of those movies that were doing well like that, like the Indiana Joneses, like all those John Hughes movies, all right. that stuff. And this movie just took little pieces, all that jammed it together. And people were like, this is great. And nobody stopped to go, wow, that was actually a pile of shit <laughs> we'll call it the coattail movie <laughs> it just it does not survive the the, the decades that is for sure no. and this film does not pass the remote test in my book and i suspect yours is the same as well kevin israel and i'm very surprised i must say before we end i'm very surprised because when i texted you about this you said uh, about, about a bunch of the films that were coming out you said i think you and i are going to go head to head on, on, on this I really thought you were going to defend this film. I'm very surprised that you're against it. There was, I think there was another movie that, that was, that's been listed that I thought I was going to love, and I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to go to the mat on this one because no. I thought you thought I was, going to, I was going to take it down, which, yeah, but I thought you were going to defend it. But I guess not. So here we are. Oh. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, David the Producer. Thanks again for joining us, David, on Gutting the Sacred Cow. We'll see you next time, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care.